Look, payday's awesome, but running payroll, calculating taxes and deductions, staying compliant, that's not easy. Unless, of course, you have Gusto. Gusto is a simple online payroll and benefits tool built for small businesses like yours. Gusto gets your team paid while automatically filing your payroll taxes. Plus, you can offer benefits like 401k, health insurance, and workers' comp, and it makes onboarding new employees a breeze. We love it so much, we really do use it ourselves, and we have four years, and I personally recommend you give it a try, no matter how small your business is. And to sweeten the deal, just for listening today, you also get three months free. Go to gusto.com slash boss. that's gusto.com slash being boss. Welcome to Being Boss, a podcast for creatives, business owners, and entrepreneurs who want to take control of their work and live life on their own terms. I'm your host, Emily Thompson, and in this episode, I'm joined again by Corey from the Being Boss team to talk about onboarding new employees. This is the second part of a two-part series. You'll want to go back to the previous episode to listen to number one if you haven't listened to it yet. And this installment is sending you into the important period of training, your six-week review, and the expectations that you need for your first six months with your new hire. You can find all the tools, books, and links we reference on the show notes at www.beingboss.club. And if you like this episode, be sure to subscribe to this show and share us with a friend. I bet I know what one of your biggest struggles is, boss, because almost everyone I know shares it. Marketing your business. If this includes you, I have a podcast for you to check out. The Duct Tape Marketing Podcast, hosted by John Jantz, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network. Duct Tape Marketing shares marketing tips, tactics, and resources for small and medium-sized business owners and marketers. Recent topics covered on the show includes the rising importance of images in Google search, out-of-the-box ways to generate referrals, and content planning made easy. Give it a search, queue it up, and listen to Duct Tape Marketing wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, Corey, we're back for part two of this four-parter. Part two of this two-parter that's really part of a four-parter on hiring and now onboarding. Which is really a part of a 313-parter. Oh, snap. (laughs) (laughs) Indeed. Indeed, plus all those secret episodes. Well, apparently, y'all, we're back to being balls here. <laughs> Emily and Corey, um, we are doing, we are doing really second part of an two episode onboarding series. In the last episode, we talked about a couple of good things. We talked about bringing someone on for their first day, but also what happens before you even bring them on for their first day, all the pre-work you do around HR goodies. And then day one, and then I started talking about training and really setting you up for some mindsets that are incredibly important to keep in mind when you are mapping out and otherwise going into training your employees and onboarding them into your business and this sort of skill set capacity. But now let's talk about the training itself. Let's do it. So they've been, they've been oriented in your business. You have, you have set yourself up for training them, but now it's actually time to teach them how to do things in your business. So I guess step one is how to find what they need. Which is funny because you would think step one is like, how do you do the thing? No, I don't start there. 
I don't start there because we talked about this a little bit in the last episode, this sort of like careful dance you play between being there and being supportive and teaching them how to do their thing and being a resource for them as you are teaching them how to do their job, whatever it may be. And then this other side of it, of encouraging them to solve their own problems. So whenever I am training, these days especially, I like to really start my training with how to find what they need on their own Mm -hmm. so that you are just immediately infusing them with this like a bit of empowerment to find what they need to know on their own without constantly coming to you looking for you to solve their problem. This is a problem that I run into with almost every boss who has a team. And it's also like a very like person specific. Some people are much more comfortable going and finding answers for themselves. Some people just need to be told what to do and how to do it. But the idea here is that you're building it into the culture, into how it is that they do their job for your company, that they can go find their own solutions, um, their own answers, their own whatever they need in order to take whatever step they need to take to and whatever it is that they are doing. So I always start with how to find what they need. I talked about this a little bit whenever it came to day one, things that you can do an intro to the team. I always reiterate this a couple of times throughout, especially if you have a team that's more than you. I mean, that is what a team is, right? That's what I'm talking team about here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you, you are can't gonna spell want... team without me. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Indeed. You rearranged the um, letters, but. <laughs> <laughs> but it's still true. It's still true. So you're going to want to tell them or make sure that they know who to go to to find the answers that they need. That's not always you when you have a larger team. All too often, I'm talking to bosses with teams who struggle with the fact that some of their team members only come to them whenever they have a problem. They're not going to the project manager or they're not going to, you know, the money manager or whatever. They come to you, the boss, the business owner. What we want to do here is make it so that your team can talk amongst themselves without you being present. So gossip behind your back. No, no, not that, Corey. (laughs) That's something else. (laughs) That's a different part of training. Um, I want to be there for that. (laughs) When it comes to to working together with other people on your team, making it very easy for them to know, understand who it is they need to go to to find the answers that they need. And sometimes that means telling them to go to that person and sort of training the entire team to do that as well. So let's see if, you know, if someone on the being boss team were to come to me about podcast production, I'd be like, I have no clue to go talk to Corey. I'm not going to go talk to you and find the answer and give it to them. I'm going to make sure that they know that they need to talk to Corey. So the next time something comes up around podcast production, they're going to know to just go to Corey for that because I don't know. Even if I do know, and I will do this, like I know the answer to the problem, but I'm not the person who used to give you the answer. I'm still going to send you to the person that you need to talk to so that next time you're not coming to me, asking me the question that you should be asking someone else. I feel like that's kind of the ultimate goal with hiring a team, isn't it? Like it's yes to where you don't have to be the source of all knowledge and you can step back. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 
It is. So you can take a vacation and still have the entire business run without you because everything they need is within their reach without you touching it for them. Yeah. I like right? how you pointed so, your finger out, like, touch it. <laughs> I'm just touching it. <laughs> like, just go look at a sauna right there. <laughs> right? Whatever it may be. So who they need to ask to find the answers that they need and then where they need to find the answers that they need. This is always tech training number one, but it's very light because when it comes to tech, things can get very overwhelming very quickly. So I always like sort of lay this like early blanket of here are the tools that we use and how we use them. Don't get overwhelmed because we're actually going to go through and learn them all specifically and then sort of end it with this other like overarching hills. Here's how it all works together. Mm -hmm. So I like to start with. Start with big picture. Yes. Start with a very light big picture. Mm -hmm. Get into the individual pieces and then really set the big picture at the end. Okay. So light big picture looks like we use Asana for task management, Slack for communication, Notion is our brain, Dropbox saves files. (laughs) Okay. Right? Those are our four biggies at being boss at least. Almanac has like another set. Yeah. Um, But like if you ever – are looking for what you need to do, go to Asana. Yeah. If you ever need to find a file, go to Dropbox. If you ever need to find some information regarding something that we're doing, it lives in Notion. And if you ever need, what was the other one? Slack. Oh, if you ever need to like contact someone, Slack. Hmm. Right? So that like, that very overarching, here's the tools that we use to find what you need, go give them a search. Also, literally some training on search bars goes a long way. (laughs) I was going to say, I feel like part one of tech sub A is how to use Google. Yeah. Or just like Shopify, our website has a whole support section. Yeah. (laughs) Right. Or, you know, Asana has a whole support section. And whenever it comes to you mapping out your processes, you can literally have a doc that you give them that's like, here's how we use all the tools. Here's literally the support link for every single one of these tools in the event that you ever have a question. Oh, that's smart. Right? Um, So you can just deliver that to them. And they have this doc that they have that they can reference. A support doc of support docs. A support doc of support docs. That's exactly what that is. Exactly what it is. And also literally showing them how to use the search bar in Notion or in Dropbox or whatever it may be. Um, This can also be something around train them as to how you name files. If you guys do not have a process for how you name files, you must. Naming conventions. You must, you must. Yes. Yes. Right? And so then it becomes, you know, if you ever need to find something in Dropbox, just here's how you find it. Right? So step one is how do you find what you need? And again, this is sort of a very overarching, relatively light, but with the idea of you are immediately empowering your employees to find what they need on their own or to get with the right people. I like that. Making that the very first thing they learn. That's smart. Yeah. It's like you've done this before. A couple of times. (laughs) A couple of times. To varying success. (laughs) The idea behind it is great, but also people are also just different. People are just different too. Um, And that's something you will be learning engaging. So if number one is how to find what you need, two is teaching them how to do their job. Yeah. 
right? So you've given them like, you've shown them the bucket of information that is your business, right? Like here's just all the things that you need. Anything you could ever need is here. Here's how to find it. So let's get down to how we take all of this stuff and sort of bring it back into you and your job and the role that you have. So this is where like all those individual pieces of training that you have planned out comes into place. And I like to do this in a way that you are building skills, right? We're going to start with some very base layer things. Um, Maybe it's going to be something like Asana training or task management training. And sometimes this literally also has to look like, here's what you're going to do every single day. The first thing that you do whenever you clock in at work is you are going to open a sauna and you are going to see what's on your task list. Because y'all, if you don't tell some people this, they will never open up a sauna and look at their task list. <laughs> it's a whole wild thing. And, it, and it's one of those things that I say this, and I know that sounds really simple, but we all take for granted how we show up and do work. Yeah. Right. Or even, you know, even if you are, it's very different if you're hiring entry level or like not quite entry level, but like early level, mid level, and then like a high level hire, like a, an expert in what they do. But even sometimes experts struggle with that, like day to day, I have to show up every day and I'm going to check my Asana, check my email, check Slack, right? They're going to not do those things or whatever the process is for how it is that you run business, you need to define that. Sometimes literally in first thing you need to do every day is check Asana well, kind of way. I'm going to story time, Corey story time. Oh, and love it. It's actually shameless self promo as well. So I started oh, my own great. podcast, Eat Sleep Nerd. Mm-hmm. Go look it up anywhere you can listen to podcasts. Indeed. Um, so I'm, I started this podcast uh, with my brother and our mutual friend. And they're not a part of this whole entrepreneur life whatsoever. Like they're they're corporate drones, and in a good way, they love corporate their job. <laughs> yep. But with my history and podcast stuff, obviously, I was getting everything set up for us, and it blew my mind that they did not have Google calendars. I could not invite them to recording events because they did not have Google calendars. And they don't know how to use Slack because they've never had to use Slack. It was just blowing my mind that they were not in the know of all this stuff that we use on a daily basis. Yeah. And again, we take this for granted. We show up every day. I'm looking at my sauna. I'm checking out my Google Calendar. I'm chatting it up on Slack, all the things. But this is how we live our lives, (laughs) right? Every day of our lives for a decade plus, this is how we've lived our lives. Um, But for a lot of people that you know, especially these like remote small business jobs, they've been working corporate or, um, you know, they've been working retail or whatever. And so getting them in to this and literally how it is that you show up to work every day is part of the training. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is one that I just have learned a little late, a little more lately <laughs> than some of the other ones. Um, but it's incredibly important. What do you want them to be doing every single day? Um, At the shop, we literally have open and closing procedures, which is, you know, basic. But the things that I have on there are basic, like lock the door, (laughs) unlock the door, turn on and off the lights, um, those sorts of things. But also check Slack because we check Slack all day, every day. But someone who's been working retail is not you know, in the process of checking in on Slack every day. So we literally make it part of our processes to do some of those simple check-ins. Yeah. Got to. 
Mm, I love that for you, though, right? <laughs> Welcome, Corey. Yeah. Welcome to people who don't work the way we do. Yeah, it's weird. Google Calendar. We yes. take it for granted. <laughs> and we take it like we are so productive because of these tools. And it, it is our job to onboard our team members into this sort of level of productivity so we can all work together and get our jobs done. Building skills. So I do like to start with some like day-to-day stuff. Start building into the most the most commonly used pieces of software if it's if we're looking at tech training here but also uh how about the most commonly used processes how about that because that could be tech something like literally we use asana every single damn day so here is how you use asana here's how we use asana here's what it looks like here's some sample projects here is your to-do list all of those sorts of things so let me ask um, you Mm-hmm. Little sub question. So, such as with Asana or any other third party software that you use, mm-hmm. Asana, for example, how involved do you actually get with how Asana works? Like you're showing them how you use it, but how involved do you get with actually showing them how Asana just works in general? Or do you just go show them support tutorials, go read these, and then we'll reconvene and show you how we use it? It's a little bit of all of those things. So it's definitely like a here is Asana and what it does. Like it is a project management software where you can, you know, create these projects and you create to do lists and it sort of takes all of your to do's and puts them in this list. And so there's like a very sort of overarching. And then there is very like, here is a project that we do. As you can see here, David and I are working on these things and they're tasked out and there's these things and descriptions and all of this stuff. And you'll see how it comes over here in, in my daily to do. It is just like a list, um, a like, uh, what's the word? Timeline list. So it's very much so how it works overarching how it works, how we use it specifically. And then also, yes, there's always support. So if you are confused, go do this. This, if it's, if there, if I'm hiring someone who is going to be using Asana, because not all of my hires use Asana, which is a whole other interesting, you know, thing for building in trainings and things is who needs Asana and who doesn't need Asana. I always ask them if they're familiar with project management software. Like that's actually a precursor, like a requirement, a required skill for those jobs is that you at least have used them before and know how to use them because in general, I'm not going to be training whole project management software for the roles that I need it in. If it's an entry level something, someone that I'm bringing into the back of house team where I need to teach them a little more specifically, I can and will, but in general, that's a, that's a required skill to even come on board. Um, so things like Asana, hold on, there was another nugget there I wanted to get into. Oh, no, things in the store. So Asana being the most used process, <laughs> right, in um, in sort of back of house at Almanac mm-hmm. or at being boss, front of house at Almanac, it's literally doing a crystal walkthrough, which is the most fun thing ever because – like, is this one a wand or is it a cluster or is it a sphere? And those things sound pretty like make sensey, but a wand versus a tower. How are those things different versus a point, which is like a whole other situation? Um, different kinds of crystals, what they're good for. Like in the store, that's the process that is the most used by the sales associates. So the training looks like 
the first bit of training that we do is not even like how to use the POS system, right? It's not tech at all. It is a crystal walkthrough. Um, also, like, and train them on our products. Well, in, in general, it's just, yeah, I was going to say in general, for any retail business, it's familiarity with the products, like just teach them what you sell. So they know if a customer asks them what this is, they actually have knowledge about Indeed. it. Indeed. And let's say I had taught them Shopify POS first point of sale that are like register system. But and so someone brings them a crystal, but they don't know what that crystal is. Like I've taught them something yeah. useless in this moment because they haven't learned a more core skill, which is actually identifying the products that we sell, which is where whenever you're planning training, plan training in a way that it builds on each other. So I'm not teaching someone, um, I'm not teaching or being boss, we're not teaching them podcast production, like in terms of like editing a podcast that they don't even know how to check their to do list to see what podcast needs to be edited next. Right. So you're building on the skills so that they can, they can get the foundations that they need. And then you go up from there. Pies, taking candy from babies, both things that are theoretically easy. But anyone who's made a pie from scratch or attempted to pry a lollipop from a screaming toddler knows how these things are, in fact, quite difficult. You know what is easy? Integrating, automating, and scaling your business with HubSpot. HubSpot's CRM platform seamlessly transforms customer data into usable insights, like what's the average time it takes us to respond to a customer service request, and how can we get better at it? The HubSpot Service Hub brings all your data and support channels into one place, so your team can spend less time hunting for information and more time delighting customers. Plus, seamless connectivity with marketing and sales hubs means every person on your team has a crystal clear picture of your customer. Easy as HubSpot. Learn how HubSpot can make it easier for your business to grow better at HubSpot.com. When it comes to training, because I feel like even in those examples, did anyone feel overwhelmed? (laughs) I did. You lost me talking about pointy and towers and what? Yeah, (laughs) it's incredibly overwhelming. And that's another thing that's like sort of a take it for granted things. Bosses hold a lot of stuff in their heads. Like a stupid amount of stuff (laughs) is up in our noggins that we are trying to get out to other people. Other people have varying capacities for all the stuff. And so number one is as you are training, being really aware of who's getting it and who isn't as fast as you're wanting to give it. Because some people need significantly more time in order to like get up to speed to learn the next thing, whereas other people can get it pretty quickly, but you still need to be really mindful of onboarding people onto things slowly and in a, at a speed that they can actually retain. And it is not the speed with which you probably most want to give it. Because it all makes sense in your head. I love that for you, but it's going to take several moments <laughs> for a portion of what's in your in your head to make sense in someone else's head. Yeah, just to use another example. So I teach drum lines for a hobby and high school drum lines specifically. Bandcamp is where we always teach the kids how to play and march and everything. And we always have to tell and remind the upperclassmen like the sophomores through seniors that it's going to be very slow paced and they're probably going to get bored 
because we're having to pace the learning process to the freshmen that have never done this before. Because if we throw everything at them at once, it becomes overwhelming and they just don't learn anything. Like they reach a capacity limit for how much they're learning. So we have to take it super slow because they're going to learn how to, how to hold sticks, how to wear a drum, how to move their feet, both for the seniors and the juniors and stuff. Like, whoa, we know how to do this already. Why are we doing this so slow? It's like we have to pace everything for people that could get easily overwhelmed. Yeah. And even if they have done it before, and I think great example with Drumline, but let's say you, you're hiring a social media manager who's done it for another business, and maybe it's a very similar business to yours, it's still going to take the moment to, like, you're probably using a different scheduling tool. You're definitely, you know, have a different marketing plan. Um, all those things, like you still need to give people a moment. Um, experience will absolutely um, influence how fast you're able to train someone. If they have tons of experience doing the thing, it could be very quick and easy. Um, if they have medium experience, probably going to take a while. If they have none experience, it's going to take quite a while. And so you do have to gauge for some of those things as well. I also think it's really important as you are training people, especially onto like SaaS tools, and to like tech pieces is to intersperse training with using the skills that they've learned or otherwise just poking around. I love to encourage people to just go poke around. So Asana is one, our project management software. I always do the training and I'm like, you know, for an hour or two this evening, I'd love for you to just poke around. Like just go see all the things that we're doing, see the things that we have done, see how we use this tool, what it looks like, go poke around. Because another thing with the poking around, it's not just go see how we use it, but it's actually encouraging them to go look and find things for themselves, right? Go familiarize themselves with things that aren't even related to what they're doing, but with what the entire company is doing. So they can start sort of expanding their capacity for understanding what the company is doing, not just what you're doing. So using the skills. At the shop, we'll often do some light little crystal tests. If like, I'm going to pretend I'm a customer and I'm going to go get some stones and you're going to tell me what they are when I get them up there and see how that goes. Um, doing some test checkouts of the POS, getting a new social media manager to create some sample posts for you for the next couple of weeks, um, whatever it may be, giving them things related to what you've been training them on so that they can be building that foundation of the skills that you were learning. and. So they can get the practice through which they're able to build the next level of skills that you are going to be teaching them. A lot of people learn by doing. Yeah. It's like you could talk to me all day, showing me things yourself, how you'd use them, but I'm not going to actually absorb anything until I actually go and do it myself. Yeah. It's like you can throw information at me, but until I'm actually like doing it, it doesn't actually sink in. Yeah, for sure. So this is actually even, I can't remember if I added this in the hiring one or at one or not. But one of my favorite interview questions is, are you a thinker or a doer? Hmm. Right? Because that's like one of those precursor questions for even this space of like, are we going to have to like think through why this is important and how it works and like all of those things? Or do you just want to stick your hands in there and see yeah. what happens? <laughs> right? So you can even through the hiring process, you can really get in there with some of those, um, some of those like personal nuances that allows you to make the training more effective as well. Because yes, and I would imagine 
most of the kinds of people that we are hiring for our businesses are those kinds of people, right? Just let them go do the thing. I always tell them like, you can't break it. And if you do, it's fine. I've broke shit too. (laughs) And like giving people, I guess, permission to mess things up, but mostly just like nothing's too precious for you to not touch it and see how it works. Yeah. (laughs) In most cases. (laughs) As I say that Corey starts twitching. (laughs) Okay. Whenever you're doing high or this training part as well, I need to reiterate this because we mentioned this a little bit in the first, in the last episode, is that videos really are your best friends. Best friends. So if it's using a tool or um, I actually recently had someone on the team create a video for me around how to prep files for print, um, whatever it may be, using something like Loom, I actually just like to use QuickTime. So QuickTime is a audio little app on your, it comes standard on all Mac computers. It has a screen recording feature. So you can record your screen and just save it to Dropbox. And we have like a training folder on Dropbox that just like is a bunch of these like quick time videos of how it is that we upload the podcast, um, of how it is that we schedule social media, how we create marketing plans, how we, you know, do all the things that make the business so that you don't have to do any in the moment, or you don't have to do a lot of in the moment training. You can schedule in your project management software, you know, podcast production training and just link to all the Dropbox videos that they need to watch to know how to do it. The really great thing about videos is that they can go back and watch it. So maybe they didn't absorb it in the moment when you were telling them how to do it or the first time they watched the video, but whenever they go to actually do the thing, they can bring the video back up and see how it is that they do it. Um, You also don't have to be the person who records all the videos. This is my favorite thing about videos is I get the Being Boss team, especially to record a lot of our videos. I get team members to record the videos. So maybe I do show up and I do the initial training of like, here's how we do the thing. Any questions? And they get in there, they do it a couple of times. And there's usually a task that comes later that's like, now you record a video of that thing so that if I ever need to go back and do it, if you stop doing it for three months, need to go back and do it, remember how to do it. Or if we onboard someone else to do it after you or while you're doing something else, Videos are already there. So you don't even have to be the person to record your own videos. It's very exciting. My last thing that I want to say about training, and then I want to move into reviewing because I do see some of these reviews as being some of the, it's part of onboarding. But as you are doing training, be present as much as you want to be, but not too much because you can't let go of things. (laughs) Do not be afraid to check work and don't be mad when things aren't done correctly. They are learning. Also, when things are not being done correctly, fix them with them. So show up with your person and be like, you know, I've read through this thing. Here's the things we're going to fix so they can see the process of being edited, of seeing how to do things correctly, which is going to make it much more likely for them to do it correctly the next time. And otherwise, check in consistently. We're going to be talking about reviews and checking in more, but don't be afraid to check in often and not in a like, you know, micromanagey way, but in a 
general concern, how are things doing? How can I help? What do you need? Way. Um, Because this training process, again, this is what sets you and them up for success long term in a way that just helps both of you. So not checking out whenever the training is, you know, going or is about done or whatever it may be is really important. Um, This is a time when you can absolutely check in more than you should ever have to check in again. All right. So we have gotten through the initial training. Now, what's the timeline of this? So the, the whole day one was the orientation. They learned about the company. And then you started training maybe later in day one or day two. So how long is this training taking in general? I think it depends on the position. I mean, at Almanac, if I'm training a sales associate, two shifts. Okay. Two shifts, more or less. Um, I'm also, though, encouraging, and here's the thing with training, is encouraging ongoing education, which can be done in a myriad of different ways. Um, But sales associate, one week you know, I'm going to work two or three chefs with you or someone's going to be working two or three chefs with you for a week. And then you know everything you need to know. We just can do our jobs. If it's, you know, a high level something um, or even like a mid-level something where you're bringing someone in, especially if it's a position that has never been filled before. So I'm even thinking of, you know, about this time last year, we brought a project manager into being boss and they had never done a project management role before. Um, specifically, they had done some project management things in another role previously. That was a lot of training that we did of like, here are all the tools that we're using. Here is why we use them. Um, and here's, you know, how we're going to build your skill set to fill this role. Similarly, with a product and uh, inventory manager that we brought on to Almanac um, a month and a half ago, I would say there's still probably, I mean, I guess we're about six weeks in, but I could see another two to four weeks okay. of training for that role because she had never done this job before. We had never filled this position before, um, and just some things have been going on at the shop that has equated to it taking more time than usual. So in that in that last example, it sounds like not only were you training them, you were kind of training yourself because it was a brand Indeed. new position. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, how, yeah. How and that's a fine thing, too. I feel like a lot of people think that they have to – They have to have it all figured out before hiring for this position in particular, as I was doing the onboard or doing the interviewing for it, I was very clear to say, this is a brand new position that we have never done before. Whoever ends up in this role is going to have to help us figure it out. Is that cool with you? Because some people love the idea of creating their own role and figuring it out. And some people just want to come in and do their job and not have to think about it. Um, So that was part of the hiring process was making sure we had someone for that role that was down to help us figure out what this role was going to be and build the processes for us because those processes didn't necessarily exist before. Six weeks for me is that test period for everybody. It's also, it's just the time that you're just in it and you're way more communicative. And I, I do love the idea of of um, of setting up this six-week period from day one of like, we're going to be like, you know, business besties for the next six weeks of I want to know what you're doing. Um, I want to know how you're feeling about it. I want to know what's working, what's not working, those sorts of things. I'm going to be checking in with you a lot. And the next six weeks, you can just go do your job right? And that way you're setting this container, creating a nice boundary for, I'm going to mama hen you. (laughs) 
a little bit and not in a way that's like, I don't do it in a way that's micromanaging at all. I think you can probably talk to anyone that works for me, period. And I don't think anyone would actually call me a micromanager. Is that, I feel like that's true. Sure. You call me a- what? Mm-hmm. I didn't. Mm. <laughs> Corey, I don't even know <laughs> when you're working most days. I, I have no Yeah, I'm- you're not a micromanager at all. <laughs> I'm barely a manager. <laughs> Barely. Um, so it's not on that level. It's really of like a very nurturing um, space where they are very obviously learning. And then I really just let them go do their job. So that first six weeks is that period for me. It's about being there to nurture and help and assist and make sure they have everything that they need. Um, and then at six weeks, there is a check-in. And this check-in is cre- is like the end of that that not trial period, but kind of probationary period. Yeah, sure. We get that sounds so scary. I would never call it probation, but that kind of, I think that word is used for this sometimes. Um, and this check-in is really important for me because it is like, it's not a final check-in because you've been checking in along the way. You will continue checking in, but it's like the milestone check-in, right? But up until that point, you're just making sure they're they're they have what they need, um, that they're getting the support that they need, that they have the tools that they need to do the job that they need to do. Um, and it is oh, another thing that I'm doing consistently during this time, and really at that six week mark, is I am doing a review of amount of time worked and amount accomplished. And I'm not doing this to be nosy at all. Like I don't care in general. I'm doing this to be informed because everyone's going to be working differently. And I can tell you bosses, no one's going to work as efficiently as you are on most of the tasks that you assign, because especially if this is something that you've been doing for years on your own, you know how to do it, know it like the back of your hand, all of these things. Um, It's going to take other people longer to do the thing that's just second nature to you. I like to do a review of things done and time spent so that I can have a better understanding for tasking and project managing and like managing expectations in the future. So if I know it takes me, I haven't, I haven't edited a podcast y'all in years. Thank you, Corey. But if it takes me 1.2 hours to edit a one hour podcast, but it, and I were to project manage Corey on that, I'd miss the mark. Because maybe it takes, actually takes Corey 1.5 hours to edit a podcast that's one hour long. And I actually don't know, Corey, I haven't looked at your shit in years. <laughs> just Glad do your to know job, you're, you're fine. Keeping track of me. That's nice. <laughs> you're just doing a great job. Um, but there is like, there is a discrepancy there that you may not be planning for when it comes to expectations you have around how much people are able to do in a week, how much time it's going to take to get something done. Um, so I always do a review of time just so I know I have, uh, an understanding of how long it's going to take people to do things because they're not me doing it, or they're not the person who has been doing it. And I need to make some adjustments. Sometimes it is better. We recently hired, um, or not recently, I guess a year plus ago, we hired a new candle maker to replace a previous candle maker. And the new candle maker makes candles faster than the previous candle maker. So like we were able to make some adjustments around some things with like how many candles we're able to make in a day, Mm -hmm. et cetera. And it's because I look at 
time for the purpose of project management, not micromanaging and being a pain in the ass. (laughs) There is a huge difference there. Um, So anyway, there's a big time review that happens for these six-week reviews. And these six-week reviews are always a time that I sit down with the new hire for a legit, very purposeful conversation, not like an in-passing, like how you're doing, whatever. Like we're sitting down. This is a meeting that we are having together to have this review. And it's very two-sided. It's not just me going, how you doing? It's like, how are you doing? And how do you think I'm doing? How is the team doing? Do you feel like you have what you need? Um, The six-week review was really important for opening the door to continue opening the door and continue to proving there is an open door, right? In terms of communication and expectations and support. So in this meeting I'm doing, I'm asking a lot of questions and things like, do you think this is a good fit for you? And for me, do I think it's a good fit for you? Here are the reasons why I may or may not believe that it is. Um, I'm always going through the like what's working, what's kind of working, what's not working exercise, which we do have a worksheet for. We'll have to include it in the show notes if anyone wants it. It's a really great one for um, for identifying what's working, kind of working and not working so you can make adjustments accordingly. I always ask what they love doing most and what they don't love doing. And not for the purpose of changing roles at all. Sometimes we all have jobs that we do things we don't like to do, but it does help me understand where they're at, where they're passionate about things, why something may be taking them longer. Maybe they don't like doing it. So it just is a slog. Um, maybe it's something where in the next couple of months, maybe I want to bring on a new hire to take that thing off of their plate so they can focus on the thing that they are loving and that they are great at. Um, so getting some feedback as to what they're loving doing and not loving doing. I also really like to ask if they have any skills that they feel are underutilized. Like they've been in the business for six weeks. They were like, they're getting, they're getting a little, a little more into what it is they're they're doing. They were hired on for a specific job role, but maybe they have skill sets that could be used in other areas. And this can be a really good chance to see. I oftentimes don't find that this question is really answered until the one, until I do an annual review which I do in December of every year for both teams. Um, It usually takes a little longer for this one to come up, but sometimes an interesting nugget will show up in the first six weeks. I also always ask them what support they need. And whether this is in the roles, if they need a new tool, a new like piece of software, I don't even know. Like what could we do to help make, make them feel like it's easier for them to do their job? And then otherwise, just how can we make things better? And I always ask this question. I mean, there's always, there's like the very vague, like, what can we do to make things better? But I like to ask this question too, in terms of processes. So like, you know, you're opening the store every day. What can, what is missing from that process? What is being done that doesn't need to be done? What, like, how can we make that process better? Because what this starts getting them into understanding is that they have the ability to shape processes to best suit themselves and the business. Because you as the boss are not like, I'm actually, I couldn't tell you the last time I opened the store. It's been a hot minute. It's been a hot minute. So like when it comes to the process of opening the store, 
I don't know what needs to be done and doesn't need to be done. I created that system as I was doing it, but we're two months into this new store. It could be totally different now. So I can go to employees and ask them how the systems can be better optimized or whatever um, to actually better because I'm not doing it, they are. And this gets them into this understanding that they do have control over their jobs, over the processes that they do. And it's not about just coming in and clicking the button. It's about coming in and doing things in a way that's smart and effective. You know what I love about doing business in the modern age? Automations, online payments, and subscriptions. It's all made doing business and the hardest part, collecting money so much easier. And you know who does all of that and more? FreshBooks Cloud Accounting. With literally two clicks, FreshBooks allows you to set up online payments directly through invoices. You can create subscription-based billing and put it on autopilot. And letting clients pay directly on invoices with FreshBooks payments gets you paid two times faster. It's living the business dream. Try FreshBooks free for 30 days, no credit card required. Go to freshbooks.com slash beanboss to get started today. So for the six-week review, is it an exit ramp? Like, is there an optional exit ramp here? Because you're asking them, is it a good fit? And you're asking yourself that, is it a good fit? So, I mean, they could obviously say, I quit. I, I don't like it here. But mm-hmm. do you ever fire someone at this six-week review? Or do you give them more time to see if they can fit into the role? Oh, that's a good question. I've never fired anyone at this point, but this isn't this can be an exit ramp for sure. And for a lot of people, especially, you know, whenever I think remote roles, especially at being boss, maybe someone is leaving a boss business and coming to work, like getting a job with being boss, or maybe this is someone who's leaving a corporate job and just trying their hands and working with a small business or whatever it may be. Sometimes this like six week exit ramp is the thing that makes them realize, okay, I can just try this out. And if I don't like it, I have an easy out. Mm -hmm. Right. And so in which case I love that. Yes. Let's like, because you have different working habits that I'm going to have to adjust to, or I'm going to have to like wait for you to adjust to them or whatever it may be. I also love that it's an exit ramp for me. I have never had to fire anyone at this point. I've never had anyone quit at this point, but I Do you think that this has been a deciding factor or help people decide to try a new position with a new company or whatever it may be? Um, I would say that at six weeks, if I'm not feeling it, I would fire them. Yeah. For sure. I don't think I'd try longer. I feel like you know at six weeks, it's either working or it's not working. But I haven't had to do that. though. If you had to fire anybody before the six-week review. No, I've never had to do that either. I've definitely hmm. fired people after the six-week review. Maybe they met the six-week milestone, but then later ended up being a hot mess. That has happened. Um, Interesting. So I've definitely hired fi- fired people after. Just because someone meets the six weeks doesn't mean they're like perfect for the job forever by any means. Okay. Um, but it's usually a pretty good sign. All right. I have one more thing for the six-week reviews before we move on to the sort of last piece of this. and. Those were a lot of like deep questions, right? And but that's kind of the purpose of like sitting them down and having a legit meeting. Yeah. I feel like a lot of bosses may struggle with the idea of asking these questions of someone and getting good answers. But in my experience, if you have done your work of creating a sort of an open and relatable workplace and relationship with a new hire 
And again, this doesn't mean you have to be best friends. Like there's, there's a difference. You can be really great teammates um, without knowing every detail of someone's life. I also think that you can know lots of details about someone's life if you want to (laughs) and still keep it very professional. But in my experience, if you maintain that openness and start building a good relationship that is one, you know, of mutual respect and mutual support um, and trust in that we're both just going to show up and get our jobs done and everybody gets gets paid and goes goes home happy, then you can absolutely get really good vulnerable answers to those questions. Like I've definitely had people show up and be like, you know, I could really use a couple of these things for more support, or I wish that we did this, or have you ever thought about doing this or whatever it may be? I've definitely gotten really incredible feedback from a six-week review that has made me a better boss, that has helped me create a better business, that has made them more successful in their role. Um, So you can get good answers. And if you're not getting good answers, I think, I mean, it's not necessarily a sign that you're not doing your job well, but it can be. Yeah. Um, Or it could be that this person just needs more to get to that place. And that's fine too. Because these are questions that I ask in every annual review that I ever do. And the longer I work with with a person, the better these answers get. I don't feel like that's true. (laughs) Every every, every, like annual review you have of me, I feel like I never really know how to give you a good answer. That's so funny. Okay, so here's though I know because <laughs> I feel like for you putting you on the spot, you're like I don't even know. But can I tell you that usually for the month afterwards, you generally have more ideas that that you share because I prompted you at that point. You've been working me like a puppet. Always, Corey. <laughs> So, and I would say in general, you are very like you rarely need to be prompted to give me this feedback mm. to again because we've been working so long together and all of these things that usually that's just one more meeting on our schedule. In general, if you need something that's going to support you or if you want to make things better, well, you're going to tell me. Yeah. In general. That's so, that's also a thing. <laughs> but yeah, Corey, I know I know that that meeting with you is going to be mostly pointless. <laughs> But I can expect some good stuff otherwise, for sure. So you're doing this onboarding process and you're doing this six-week review. How do you make this whole thing easier? Systems, y'all. Systems and templates. Literally, before I got on this call, I created like a one-sheet checklist and like just like writing paper um, to take into the store to start doing my sales associates onboarding. There's like day one, all the things that we talked about, um, the like trainings necessary and places for people to sign off and those sorts of things. Like it is a little paper process for doing this exact same thing Um, because I've been onboarding sales associates and I keep forgetting this like one important piece of the process. So I put it on a piece of paper. I'm going to take it with me to the shop. You can do this with Asana templates or project management templates. You can do it with... um, with email templates, with Slack message templates, you can create all kinds of templates and training. So those video pieces are so important. And I feel like the more we build that library of trainings, the more boss I feel, because I know it's going to be so much easier for anybody to do anything in the future. So the more you're creating templates, more you're creating like video trainings or just like recording 
like having a list of all of the best Shopify support links for every time we have a problem with this thing, just here's the tutorial on how to fix it. It's fine. Uh, Whatever it may be. Um, the more you can log this stuff, the more you can systemize it, um, the easier it's going to be for you to hire again and not just hire, but make the decision to hire when you're actually ready and need it, as opposed to just waiting around until it's far too late. And then you're kind of screwed and you're onboarding someone while you're in the middle of market season. And oh my God, that blows. We don't want that. It sounds like you've experienced that. (laughs) A time or two. (laughs) A time or two. So process this out for yourself. Create templates, create trainings, all the things. And you can do it while you do it the first time. Mm -hmm. And you can reiterate it over and over again. Literally, I'm hiring two new sales associates this week. And I have been updating my processes as I've done this um, to make it easier and better and more specific for the specific role, all the things, because you're going to keep hiring. This is not the last hire you're ever going to make. You're going to need to do it again and again and again. And depending on the kind of business you're in, you may need to do it a lot. One of the things that I'm realizing at Almanac is I'm going to be probably onboarding one sales associate a month for the rest of my life at least like legit. And that's just like, that's the nature of that role in this industry. And I get that, but I better have this on lockdown because I'm going to be doing it all the time. And not only that, I don't want to do it all the time. I want to hand it off to someone else in the future. So I'm processing it now. So it's easier for, you know, an assistant store manager or something to do it for me in the future. It's all about systems, y'all. I can picture you like, eventually getting so tired of onboarding people that you go and make those cheesy training videos where you a hundred percent this is a crystal point this is a crystal tower <laughs> i'm totally gonna be doing that are you kidding me it's gonna be real good i keep thinking of the delta ones which aren't <laughs> even like employee training but like put on your seatbelt y'all all right. So I'm assuming at this point, you're past the six-week review. They're kind of getting more more familiar and comfortable with doing their job. What happens over the first six months? Yeah. So I do – I see this total onboarding, and I mentioned this, I think, in the last episode. It's like it's a six-month process. It's going to take folks six months to really dig it in. I do think after – two, three months, they should be like, they should be doing their job, but they might be asking more questions or like hiccups here or there, or like maybe not doing it as efficiently as they could be, whatever it may be. Um, so over the first six months, I'm, I'm like, I'm still more available, a bit more available. Um, but still things like go get with support or go ask Corey or like, you know, go somewhere else to find the information that you need, or just like, how would you fix that? You know, if something breaks, like, what do you think we should do? And encouraging people to find the answers for their for themselves. But what you'll find is over the first six months, they'll start progressively um, working more autonomously. They'll be solving their problems on their own. They'll be doing the basic processes without a hitch. Um, and that's when that's how you know that what you've been doing, that the training that you did, that the hiring that you did of finding the right person really really worked. Um, and in my experience, that six month mark is you just hit the sweet spot of like, it's really working. Your relationship is really great. Um, but there are some other things that you can be doing as well. You should always be very mindful of what motivates people on your team. And also just be very aware that's not necessarily the thing that motivates you. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, 
how do how do you need to motivate them and reward them and be excited for them and how are they going to want to do really hard tasks that like really challenge them or are they going to feel more productive and effective if they are just doing the same thing over and over again but they're doing it like a boss yeah you know so like you need to learn those things about your team so that you can maneuver them in your business in the way that you most want to maneuver them uh, one of my favorites is finding out what everybody's love language is mm-hmm. Corey, I know that you are a words of affirmation kind of guy. I have a overinflated ego. Uh, <laughs> so, yes. At least you're self-aware. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, anytime I can, like, tell you you're doing a great job, I know that I'm doing my job and, like, making you feel like you are a um, uh, an effective and helpful member of the team. So, love language is really important. And otherwise, just, like, getting to know what's important to people. Um, you know, in our meetings – Our team meetings, I know that Corey needs Corey story time. (laughs) Love that for you. Tell us all kinds of crazy stories. Um, I like how you you say I need that time. Like it's a requirement for our meetings for me to have that time. Everyone, did you hear that ego comment a minute ago? Corey needs Corey Corey story time. (laughs) That's true. Right? I need it too, Corey. (laughs) I need it too. So you, you learn you learn your people and you help them and you support them. I think, again, all too often people think of hires and sometimes this is the case. Sometimes people do not want to sort of live work and work life and all of those things. And I think I've definitely had team members who come in, they do their job, they leave and that is it. But in my experience, especially the kinds of business that I run, It's a little deeper than just a job, just a little, maybe not like crazy. Not everyone's in it as much as I am, but like they want to know what's happening in the industry. They want to know, you know, how we're feeling about things, what our plans are, like whatever it may be. Some people want to be really involved and I like to let people be as involved as they want to be. Yeah. And that requires work, both learning who wants it and also giving it to them in some capacity. So you do those things over the first six months. And then I always feel at six months, they are just a part of the team. You know how they work. They know how you work and you can just do your job. Is there any further like review meeting? Like after that first six week review meeting, do you meet with them? Like have a little sit down at all after that? No, not unless it's needed for some reason or another. Um, I do do annual reviews of everyone. So every December end of the year, I do an employee review with everyone who works for me. And so we sort of do that and it's a constant check-in, but no, that's that's it for me okay. unless it's otherwise needed. I will say, I mean, you can definitely have those check-ins. I know at Baby Tarot, whenever yeah. they hire someone new, they do a 30-day, a 60-day, and a 90-day check-in. So basically hmm. once a month for the first three months. So and there's options for that. Yeah. However works best for you. I work closely enough with everyone, at least at this point, though I could definitely see this being a thing um, at Almanac in the future. I work close enough with everyone that like we're having lots of meetings all the time. There's lots of opportunities. I'm always like, how you do? And how's your workload? You know, what can we do? Whatever. Um, But if it's someone that you're not, that like really is a remote sort of autonomous employee who's not in weekly meetings or whatever it may be. Yeah. I think planning some additional check-ins for that would be important. Cool. All right. So any final thoughts as we wrap up this onboarding episode? Yes. One final thought. Two final thoughts. One, do it. Just do it, y'all. If you need to hire someone, do it. Uh, Expect this. This is a whole other side of your business that you are building. 
right? This sort of hiring and onboarding and training process is if you haven't done it before, if you haven't done it correctly or well before, like you have to look at this as a whole other set of processes that are an imperative part of your business. Congratulations. Two, don't fuck it up. (laughs) And really don't sabotage yourself. I feel like one of the most common things I see with bosses, period, is they get in the way. They will delegate something just to take it back. Mm -hmm. They will fudge up the training because they like actually don't want them to do it or like they're never going to do it as well as I am, et cetera, et cetera. You're right. They're not. Or actually, you're wrong. (laughs) They likely will. They won't to begin with more than likely, but they will get there. But they will only get there if you let them make some mistakes along the way. Yeah. And then you empower them to like own their mistakes and fix their mistakes and laugh about their mistakes because God knows I've made some mistakes <laughs> along the way. It. And you sort of <laughs> a couple times, a couple times it's happened. Um, so just don't get in your way. Right. Do this in a way that feels good for everyone. Um, and do not sabotage yourself and them by refusing to be the boss that a team needs to run your business with or without you. And congratulations, you have a new team member. Woo-woo. Yay. Now schedule a vacation. Oh, <laughs> actually, yo, that's, can I add that too? Let me, I want to, I want to add that. One of the things that I always do as a way of like making sure I am holding myself accountable to training people in the amount of time that I need to train them is anytime I ever do a big hire. So like mid to top level or upper level, um, especially if there's like one or two coming at the same time as I will always schedule myself a vacation. And even if it's just like a long weekend, there is something to me about like, I'm going to get you trained. You're going to know how to do this. And then I'm going to leave for like a day or five. Yeah, like take the reins. I'm leaving. Yeah. It, as you will. Yes. And it's both like, it's both a test. Like, did I train them well? Mm-hmm. Can they do it? And two, high five. You did it. You have a team in place so that you can take a little vacation. So that's actually one of the things that I'm doing. I um, have scheduled off a week in four weeks to finish up some training that I'm doing and getting these new people that I'm onboarding this week in place so that David and I are taking a whole week off of for vacation um, with these new team me? members in place. Actually, I'm, I'm it's a staycation if I'm being quite nice. honest. Good job. I'm not Good job. going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> I can't actually leave the store just yet. I'll be close by as needed. And I want to do some Let go, Emily. Let go. <laughs> the next one I'm leaving. Okay. Okay. <laughs> But yeah, schedule a vacation because you have built a team. All right, boss, because you're here, I know you want to be a better creative business owner, which means I've got something for you. Each week, the team at Being Boss is scouring the news, the best entrepreneurial publications and updates and releases of the apps and tools that run our businesses and is curating it all into a weekly email that delivers the must know tips and tactics in the realms of mindset, money and productivity. This email is called Brood. We brew it up for you each week to give you the insight you need to make decisions and move forward in your creative business. Check it out now and sign up for yourself at beingboss.club slash brood. That's beingboss.club slash B-R-E-W-E-D. Now, until next time, do the work, be boss.